all right, all right. Well, yeah, hopefully the uh, sound quality on my end is not too bad on this one. I'm just sitting in the uh, living room today, um, so my audio might be a little roomier than normal. Yeah, no worries, no worries. It's good, so, good, good. See how it goes. I know our uh, you know discerning audience of Sean uh, will probably be upset about it, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No one else cares, Sean, including... <laughs> Including the person speaking into the microphone right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like it. Uh, I like. Uh, I like doing a, you know, a podcast for an audience of one. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> it's like I can talk to Sean, but he can't say anything back, so it's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh all right well i'm bobby navia and i am dorian weinzimmer welcome back everybody to the couch uh another week uh this week we are continuing our uh our batman journey Mm -hmm. by uh we watched the uh, 2005 christopher nolan written and directed uh batman begins and uh we're gonna talk about that movie but we're also going to like compare it to our previous episode which is we watched tim burton's 1989 batman movie just called batman mm-hmm. which you haven't listened to this that episode stop what you're doing now and listen to it yeah stop whatever the uh, fuck I'm, it is you're doing because it's not important this is important exactly yeah <laughs> yeah and uh listen to it and so uh so you can be part of this conversation as well uh yeah i guess to kick it off um I fucking love this movie. Yeah, did you dig it? It's, it's so good. <laughs> I when I got my uh, 4K collection of these movies, I watched the first one, mm-hmm. uh, and I thought it was good. I had a great time with it again, but this one just hit me a little bit differently for some reason. I don't know if because I was like watching it more closely, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So um, in a in a good way, not in, like a bad way or anything like that. But yeah, same here. I really fucking dug the hell out of this. I I felt like I should watch this one as often as I do like dark Knight or something. Yeah. You know, I, I like, like, you know, uh, so, but no, I really dug the hell out of it, uh, as well. Awesome. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I mean, it's, you know, Christopher Nolan's filmmaking has always very heavily resonated with me. So, you know, as it does with a lot of people. Um, so yeah, this was not like some surprise. I didn't have, you know, I, I wasn't under the impression that I ha- might have a negative opinion of this movie or anything. I've always, <laughs> I mean, ever since I saw it in 2005, um, I have like really adored this movie. Um, and this, this whole trilogy, really, the, the Christopher Knight, you know, Batman trilogy. I'm, these movies I've, uh, with the exception of Dark Knight Rises, um, which I've actually only seen a couple of times, mm-hmm. um, but like Batman Begins and Dark Knight, I mean, we're fairly religiously watched <laughs> by yeah, me, yeah. Um, you know, around the times that they came out and everything. So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely like way more familiar with these, even currently more familiar with these than, um, excuse me, than with the, uh, the Tim Burton films. Okay. So this stuff, you know, was this, you know, watching this, it was like, uh, it was interesting because when we watch Batman, um, as everyone who's, you know, listening to this now has obviously already listened to that episode of the couch since we told them to, Exactly. Um, yes. Welcome. <laughs> welcome back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, it, my experience with it was really. I mean, it was great. I had I had a really good time with it. But it, it was going in one of those things where I was like, I have. It's been. I used to love this movie, but it's been so long since I've seen it. I almost like kind of don't know even what I'm getting into. 
Yeah, you right. know, it was in some in some weird way. Like I'm just such a different person now from the last time I saw it that in in some ways it was like seeing it for the first time. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Even though I actually had uh, a very vivid memory of seeing it for the first time. <laughs> so yeah, right. right. Um, um, but, so, um, but yeah, how about you? Had you had you seen this like semi recently, or was this sort of one that you were like, man, I haven't seen this in a while? I don't think I saw it until they came out on 4K. I think I got the 4Ks last year or the year before like i think you said they came out in 2018 so uh so. whatever that holiday season was that you know leading when they came out leading up to it or whatever like that's when i got them uh so i watched all of them again um might have been when i was living right. at, at at ukrainian or whatever so okay but that was um, like a year and a half ago or so yeah so um but uh yeah, it was just really interesting to me to watch. Uh, a, like for me, it just felt like, uh, let's say maybe aside from Interstellar, maybe or maybe well, I, I don't even know if I can even say like Inception, but I feel like in maybe Interstellar aside, this felt like Christopher. This felt like a movie that had like the most CGI Christopher Nolan has ever used in a movie. Period. Mm-hmm. Like on on top of maybe like expanding miniatures or you know like you know the uh, that kind of thing or whatever. Um, I just started. I noticed more of like how like p- different pieces of Chicago were put together for you know in in different ways to make the city larger or whatever like that. Dude, it's um, a, it's really funny you mentioned that because I I actually had the exact same experience watching it yesterday. Okay. Yeah. It was like because for, then... for for some reason, I just never really kind of really sat there and dissected like the geography of the film and like where those yes. places actually are in Chicago and how they've actually like utilized the city as mm-hmm. a sort of and you know just in the large scale like okay for our production you know this part of Chicago is all actual Chicago and then all this stuff is like the Narrows or whatever. Right, right. Um, you know, and then just looking at like how they really differentiated those things with the existing geography of Chicago, um, you know, and, and like architectural features and everything like, you know, like the bridges over the river and using that to dissect uh, or, or to, to section off different, you know, parts of the city. And then the above ground uh, train, you know, obviously being a really important part of the storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, and all that type of stuff. And yeah, just like how well, how smartly utilized those things were for, you know, the exact story that they were telling, not just like to create a compelling uh, setting for the film, but also as like actually integral to, you know, the the machinations of the plot, you know? Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. So it's, it's actually like watching that, watching or uh, paying more attention to that aspect of the movie, like really influenced, like, really influenced the story that was being told while, while I was watching it. Like I, not that I, I gained a new level of it, but I actually started thinking about how would it be if some dude came back and started dressing like a bat in this city, you know, like, <laughs> uh-huh. because I think that was the, that was one of the things that like we, you had kind of mentioned when we were talking about Batman 89 was like this, this sort of like real world type of thing. Like we, we kept talking about how, Tim Burton's, you know, Gotham City is very, it's very gothic. Like, you know, it is, it is a created city. It is a created environment, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, for all intents and purposes, it's not a real place, you know, like it's not, it, it's not a real city, but 
Batman Begins is shot in a real city. It is shot in Chicago. So um, it, it, it has some of that, you know, it has some of that like parallel and it's tethered to to it being shot in a real city. So it just makes it feel a lot more real. Like people who outside of Chicago who don't understand like what part of the city they were using for like all the bridges and everything where it's, you know, they were splitting off the oh, arrows yeah. when everything goes to shit. It's like, it's just so funny because in the movie that's splitting off like the really affluent area from, you know, the really like the dregs, basically mm-hmm. like the slums of, of Gotham where all the, you know, crime is kind of uh, contained as it were, uh, or at least most of it. But um, in, in Chicago, actually, it's splitting off... <laughs> <laughs> the rich part of town from the even richer part of town uh, across yeah. those bridges, basically. <laughs> like, all the stuff that is the Narrows, it's like, I mean, those are like Michelin star restaurants and, like, the Merchandise Mart is right yeah. there. <laughs> like, <laughs> Marina Towers, <laughs> like, all the, like, iconic Chicago shit is all <laughs> right where uh, they, you know, they, they put the Narrows, which, um, you know, that was funny, too. So it was, like, a lot of that stuff where they're... Um, you know, they show them at the bridges and things like that. And they're like driving across them late at night or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it was just so funny watching those because I was like, you know, they want, they're shooting it this direction so that we see, you know, actual Chicago behind them. So it looks like they're coming towards the bad part of the city, but actually right, right behind this camera is like a super fancy restaurant and like a boutique, you know, clothing <laughs> store. But again, just, you know, them knowing like kind of you could tell they had this like sort of larger blueprint of like exactly what was real and what wasn't, you know, when they were filming. So they could still shoot things like they were in a real location, even though so much of it was going to be CGI, you know, Um, having the benefit of living in this city and understanding, you know, the layout of it and where they were shooting and what they're, you know, to be able to spot those things. Because obviously if they did this, you know, if they did the exact same thing in like, I don't know. Houston or some shit like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't really know the geography of Houston. I don't know what its prominent features are and stuff like that. You know, it would probably be, it would be a total mystery to me. Like what was real and what wasn't, you know, unless there were some real right. tells or some shit. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, I, I also, it, it was just funny that again, like I've seen this movie numerous times since living in Chicago, you know, yeah, this right. is not like some new and, and also <laughs> like, again, where they were shooting, that was like down. That's right where our film school was that we were. Uh, oh, went yeah, to. that's right. Right there on Clark. Um, yeah. And then when we were pre-producing Rod, our office was in the merchandise mart. So like that whole area, the specific area that they were shooting in of Chicago, like we both have been very familiar with. Yeah. Since, yeah. You know, at least 2007. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, yeah. uh, yeah, it's just so wild to me that it took until now, you know, for me to like all of a sudden start noticing that I just don't remember ever noticing those like specific details about, um, you know, the, the way it was shot in this specific city, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. before, which was just really funny. I mean, you know, I'll just say, I'll just chalk it up to, you know, credit to Christopher Nolan for just making a movie that is that engrossing, you know? Yeah. But right. I mean, it's believe- it's... I watch it. Yeah it's believable like the layout of the city and like where everything is. But like, like you said, to put it in like a, that context of like, well, I've lived here. I know where that's at, but I've never really just thought about, you know, the, the layout of it to that, to that extent, mm-hmm. you know, like you watch it for the first couple of times. You're like, well, yeah, it's Gotham city. Of course this bridge leads to the narrows, you know, this you know shitty part of town or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause then I think about, I think I was thinking about it a lot also in relation to, Dark Knight Rises, which they shot in Pittsburgh. Right. And, you know, there aren't, as so far as I know, there there are not any extensions to the city where there's a, 
you know, like a fictional area like the Narrows that's, you know, plopped down right in the middle. We're just in a different part of Gotham City mm-hmm. for, or we're led to believe for like a majority of the movie or whatever. So, right. Because so much of the movie does take place in like the Narrows and the more sort of like constructed part of, you know, the, the city. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, the movie never felt like it was trying to showcase Chicago. It always felt like it was just using it for some couple of features that it had. And then, but for the most part, we're kind of, you know, we're transporting this whole thing to Gotham. It's not really supposed to feel like Chicago. It's supposed to feel like Gotham. Right, exactly. Um, whereas Dark Knight Rises take, or Dark Knight, excuse me, takes the complete opposite approach where it's like from the mm-hmm. first shot of the movie, it is like, we're in Chicago, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> um. And, you know, it's, it's cool the way that he just sort of, like, portrays the city differently movie to movie based on kind of the themes and, you know, where, where we're at with Gotham and, and what sort of level of, I don't know, prosperity or disarray it finds itself in at the time. Yeah, right. Um, you know, he just, he represents it, you know, differently like that. But again, you know, it's like, with how uh, prominent of an element that is in The Dark Knight, again, I think that also just led me, in a way, to just, again, not even look for it in Batman Begins, you know, because it was just like, right. no, Dark Knight is like the Chicago Batman movie, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, and, uh, and you know, watching it again, it's, it, it really does feel... Uh, uh, it, it really does feel watching, you know, this movie back um, that, uh, you know, that, that definitely is the case with this film, though. Like, uh, you know, even even finally recognizing some of these distinct features of our city inside of the film and kind of dissecting how they use them to shoot it. At the end of the day, like, you know, Gotham in this movie still feels like a different place. It's still it doesn't feel mm-hmm. like Chicago to me at all. Right, right. Um, you know, it's it's really just those couple of wide shots. When you just see that, you know, the bend in the river with the bridges across it, it's like, yeah, of course that's Chicago. But again, like, without Marina Towers right on the other side of the bridges there and, like, the Merch Mart yeah. or, you know, the L or whatever, it, it does all of a sudden, it really transforms it in a very significant way, which, again, I think is, you know, speaking to Nolan's credit, like, how you can show something that is, like, such a prominent or obvious like feature of a place but then like these other things that sort of like outline it you know you remove those and it's like no now it feels like a totally different place Um, right exactly yeah 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 and you know which is funny too because again him you know being from london like they have the the thames runs through there with a bunch of bridges across it like they have you know that oh yeah that's true they have sort of a similar kind of thing in their city as well so it's it's like you can see nolan's attraction to just sort of like gotham having this kind of feature where there's like you know, a river that runs through with bridges across it. Cause that's like all, all the cities he's known, you know, <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> have that kind of element <laughs> to them. Um, so yeah, it makes, makes sense that that would be the thing that he would, uh, you know, okay, as long as we can get that, you know, the rest of it, we can change and <laughs> it'll feel like a different place. One thing I want to highlight for, for like the, not that we've not started talking about Batman begins, but what really separates this movie from the 89 movie is that this movie is inherently like an origin story. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and the good like first hour of that movie of, you know, Batman Begins is the origin story. And I remember when the trailers were coming out, I actually watched the trailer to Batman Begins. And this was the start of what I love that Christopher Nolan does in, in trailers is that like, you know, we talk about trailers having like the money shot, right? Like there, there is that, there is that known conversation that happens in boardrooms where you're just in like Hollywood boardrooms where they're like, we need five, you know, action beats or, you know, money shots 
in the trailer to put in the trailer, right? Right, yeah. Uh, trailer moments. But I feel like Nolan, like, has those moments sometimes. I think even in, like, the Dark Knight trailer, like, the truck flipping over was maybe in it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what's more powerful in Nolan's trailers are, like, uh, the bits of dialogue that, like, really almost, like, stamp home, like, certain characters. So I believe, like, the, in the teaser trailer to it, to to Batman Begins, it's just all the, um, it's just all like the first hour of this movie. The shots of him in, um, in uh, I don't want to like just generalize and say China, but you know he was in uh, all of like the mountains and everything, and all the like icebergs that are around and stuff like that. And the teaser ends with him meeting uh, Ducard in the the jail. And it's that line where Descartes tells him, like, if you make yourself more than just a man, you become something, you know, entirely different. And he says what? And he says legend. And then, like, there's a flash of Christian Bale in the bat suit. And then it just says, you know, Batman begins. Mm -hmm. And like that line, it's like there's a line like that in every one of Christopher Nolan's trailers where like that line fucking like personifies like what Batman is like, he's a fucking legend. And Liam Neeson just told you that in a 30 second trailer. And you're like, fuck yeah, that's yeah. right. We're about to, we're about <laughs> to see the birth, you know? Yep. Um, yeah. The title is pretty, you know, pretty clear. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, right. As well that, uh, yeah, we're getting an origin story here. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which again, yeah, you know, I think is, is also a way of differentiating it from, uh, from the Tim Burton Batman as well. You know, yeah, right. I think it's very smart because that movie, as we discussed, is is you know uh, very um, intentionally not a origin story. No. Um, and uh, yeah, and then this one, you know, really kind of taking us back. You know, this one. What I like about this one too is that you know it. I think it it feels appropriate to have an origin story because it's like the origin of film Batman, you know. Mm, like because okay. Batman Tim Burton's Batman was very much like of the comics. Yes. And again, you know, even though they they changed that, you know, little bit about it wasn't Joe Chill that shot his uh his parents, parents it was now right. Jack uh, Napier who turns into Joker and you know, it made it a much better self-contained kind of story-wide Batman and Joe instead of having years and years of comics to flesh out this um uh, you know, rivalry between these two characters, you know, to make it a single <laughs> standalone film, you know, it was, yeah. uh, let's just make it a revenge story. You know, it made sense. Um, but, uh, but yeah, other than that though, they were really much playing off of sort of the very, very established, this is the Batman, you know, from the comics and now you're going to see him on a fucking movie screen. Right. Um, you know, and then obviously like with this, they took such a different approach where it was like, no, we're going to like ground it in the level of like, uh, you know, cinematic realism essentially. You know, mm-hmm. we had to, they really essentially did have to reinvent and rebirth the character in that mold, you know, to exist that way. Because in people's minds, especially mine, uh, or, you know, mine, uh, 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 I definitely felt this way. And it seemed like everybody else did that. Um, you know, it was such a, it was such a ridiculous character and had this kind of, you know, uh, um, comic-y tone to it and kind of had to in order to work you know, because mm-hmm. of how over the top some of these things were, but like to actually take that, yeah, down to the, you know, realistic level and, you know, uh, 
not ask the audience to suspend their disbelief in order to, you know, buy that this character could exist and everything. And in fact, like have the movie go out of its way to not have to make the burn the audience that way. Right. Right. Um, you know, it was just, it was such a wildly different approach to the character and the idea of this character that like, it made sense now to do an origin story yeah. because it's, we're reinventing him for this medium, you know? So mm-hmm. rather than just like, we're telling this origin story because, you know, like all the Marvel movies, like all the Marvel movie origins, as far as what I saw, at least were just straight out of the comic. Yeah. And right. It's like, yeah. we're just, we're just doing this because we're building a larger franchise, but you know, this movie actually, there's like a reason that they're revisiting the origin of this character, even though we all know the origin of this character. <laughs> Um, it's because yeah. we had to, we had to rebuild him from the ground up in order to make all these things make sense because we're taking such a different, radically different approach to them. Um, and I think and, by 2005, like, I think, well, 89 was the bat was Batman, Tim Burton. So there was, you know, the scene with the gun and the pearls and everything. Mm. And I don't think it wasn't, it wasn't until like the mid nineties with Batman forever that the parents storyline is revisited. Okay. Um, uh, but it's actually, uh, I guess it goes a little deeper with like Bruce actually trying to figure out whether or not he still wants to be Batman and whether or not he still needs to, I guess, uphold his, his oath to them, like mm-hmm. from, from the comics or whatever. So, um, so there's that part of it, but I don't think it, there was no mention of it in Batman and Robin. Uh, I'm not going to count like comics or like, uh, or, or cartoons that may have like done some version of it, but uh, as far as movie Batman goes, it, it it had only been since like the mid '90s that we had a a once again like a cinematic outing of the parents getting shot in the alley. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your favorite scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That's, I mean, that might be the most filmed scene in cinema be, history. Yeah, like. It's either that or something from A Star Is Born because they keep fucking making that movie over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I'm pretty sure Batman's parents get killed in that movie too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, oh, no. Well, <laughs> hold on. I got to stop over at Crime Alley and take care of some business real quick. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. Sorry. I hit the table. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, no, but yeah, I was so, gonna... so, so I'm, you know, that's, I'm not just like, there's so many, there were a lot of things about this movie too. I should say also one of the things that I kind of went into this movie is like, you know, how much I was like, let me try to be critical of this and not just, you know, give everything a pass because it's Christopher Nolan, you know, and I like, and I like Nolan and I think he's really, really good at what he does. Okay. Um, you know, I was like, let me, you know, just be critical. And, and, you know, this was one thing I was like, well, I mean, I complain about this fucking scene every time someone else does it. So why am I not complaining about it when Christopher Nolan does it, you know? And, and, you know, my answer is what I just said, you know, previously, which mm-hmm. is that like, and that was something that I kind of, you know, dug out watching it this time, especially in comparison to last time where, you know, um, having that that sort of i don't know not revelation but realization i guess that that it was like oh yeah tim burton's batman is not it's not really a batman movie or an origin story of him like whatsoever (laughs) yeah Um, no (laughs) yeah and then this one you know obviously being yeah batman begins it's the fucking origin so it's like okay well you know 
the justification for that makes like perfect sense to me now looking at it through that perspective when we were looking at it as a compare and contrast i was like okay well you know a we never did a proper origin story for cinematic batman but that's because we weren't doing a cinematic batman before we were just putting the comic on screen so right now that we're doing cinematic batman uh you know we we do need the origin story because this has got to be you know this is for this is for this is should be new for movie watchers and comic readers alike you know yes this is a yeah, new right. idea of batman a new version of batman so it's like we have to start from the beginning and sure you know for the most part you know the the general beats of that origin for him are the same you know they are at the opera they leave <laughs> fucking yeah. joe chill shows up and you know he fucking shoots him but the way that they end up then extrapolating from that and you know what happens when Bruce is a little bit older and comes back from college and, you know, they're letting Joe Child go and all that stuff. And he's going to shoot him. But Falcone has one of his, you know, fucking goons come in and do it before Bruce has a chance to mm-hmm. um, becomes a major character moment for him beyond just the like my parents were killed when I was younger. And it's like he still learns this invaluable lesson about like revenge versus justice but right. now it happens it's still and it still happens actually as a result of Joe Chill and someone being shot. Um Oh, but okay, yeah. It's, it's no longer Joe Chill shooting his parents, it's now somebody else shooting Joe Chill that allows him to learn this lesson. You right. know? And um you know, so I thought that was a really interesting way of of again like yeah, we st- we still sort of get the main canonical version of the Bruce Wayne origin story, but again, you know, in in um uh, in keeping with this idea that we're, we're building a new version of this character from the ground up as well, we've now even t- changed that. Where it's like actually that what he learned from that initial instance was hate, you know, and anger, right. and that's what he carried with him from that moment until the moment he was going to kill Joe Chill, you know, mm-hmm. and it was only because someone else did that, a, you know, a criminal actually for that matter. <laughs> Yeah. Um, that, that he's able to, you know, ultimately like learn this lesson and, and, you know, start moving down a more correct path as mm-hmm. it were, or at least get off the one that he was on. And, you know, um, yeah. so, so, you know, I thought that was like actually an interesting way of playing all that. And again, you know, justified the existence of the, you know, ripped pearls and gun scene <laughs> being in the fucking movie. Um, um, I also feel like something is, you know, some, uh, even though it's, even though he's looking for revenge in the courthouse, you know, having having Joe Chill be shot by one of, you know, Falcone's goons. Um, I, I think just like his parents, it also it also takes something away from him as well. Mm-hmm. Like he's almost kind of like a like a rudderless boat at that point, because from the time his parents are killed to up until that moment, like he knows what he wants to do. Like he has a I want to kill this person or, or at least you know, that's just been, you know, a, a pretty steady thought. But then once someone else is gunned down right in front of them, it's like, well, now I'm just back to square one. Like, just like my parents, I have like nothing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, so um, I thought that in that moment. But then um, I also liked how like Nolan shot the death of the parents. Like it wasn't done in um, and I, I'm going to I'm going to pick on Zack Snyder only because he's the king of slow-mo but Uh, I feel like I feel like I feel like most most filmmakers like think to shoot that particular scene in Crime Alley in some sort of big slow-mo emotional moment and 
I think this was the first time like seeing it on screen where I was watching it that I actually paid attention to like the pace of it. And it just fucking happens quick. Yeah, it's really fast. And I actually, you know, not in like a shitty way, like I actually kind of really appreciated that it felt it felt kind of real where it was just like, boom, here, there. Like you hear the pearls being torn, but there's not like this operatic shot of the -hmm. pearls being ripped. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, I think another I like just another tone setter of like this is how fast it could happen, like to anybody. Yeah. You know, not just not just this kid who ends up having, you know, this legendary future. But um, I liked the authenticity, I guess, of that scene. And I was. Yeah, no, it it felt like actual crime. It's just like it just all goes wrong in a moment, you know? Yeah. And and it's just and then all of a sudden it's like it's over and there's no turning back, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it felt so much more, you know, it's so much more impactful than than. Yeah. Getting this like long drawn out. Yeah. You said operatic, like slow mo shower. Then you know now we're hearing like the the aria from inside the opera house bleeding out as the slow mo the pearl like you know rolls into foreground focus and shit. And then the mom's arm with blood trailing down it you know falls into frame and shit. Like ugh. Yeah. It's uh yeah no it it yeah so the fact the way it handled it as well for sure mm-hmm. you know um definitely made a big difference i i agree with you i i also was um that was one thing that actually did kind of surprise me when i was watching it and i was like oh yeah no that scene it's it actually goes by really quickly yeah it's kind of there and gone in a, in a flash yeah and, and i think that's actually to its absolute credit you know this movie right. uh this movie covers a lot of ground very quickly throughout its entire you know beginning middle and end it's mm-hmm. it's almost like there's three movies that each have their own beginning, middle, and end, and yeah. each one of those movies is the first one's the beginning, the second one's the middle, and the last one is the end. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, um, right. It's it's pretty wild. I mean, the the you know balancing act that he manages to pull off because um, you know again it's it none of it feels I don't think like rushed or sort of like disingenuous to what it's trying mm-hmm. to do. Um, in particular, a moment like this where you know I don't think that this was. None of this decision making in this scene was for the, uh, you know, matter of expediency. It was clearly like this is actually the best way, in my opinion, at least to um, to do this scene, you know, from a storytelling standpoint and especially for the type of story he's trying to tell and the way that he's trying to tell it. Mm -hmm. Um, It made perfect sense. And uh, yeah, actually, you know, so so again, you know, in keeping with Christopher Nolan's genius, (laughs) He managed to take like, you know, what is what is the most sort of like cringeworthy and, you know, uh, shop worn and, you know, just completely familiar part, uh, probably the biggest weakness of the Batman origin story mm-hmm. and turns it into a strength. You know? Yeah. Even though we, we all know what's going to happen in this scene and he makes it happen in a way that still feels jarring. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and awful. You hate it when it happens. Like, you know, they, in, in two scenes, Linus Roach just establishes Thomas Wayne as like the best dad of all time. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like the best rich guy of all time. Okay. So yeah. I, I wrote the, I wrote this down because we talked about this in 89 Batman where we where you were just like, what the fuck does the Wayne family do aside from the dad just being like a good doctor, you know, yeah. a reputable doctor <laughs> And when they're on the train going to the opera, you know, he basically says that like he he just says that, you know, I, I work at the hospital and I leave the, the the business of our business to like better men, you know, or more interested yeah. men. 
but we still don't know, aside from losing a microwave emitter that for some reason, you know, they have. Uh, yeah. I, well, you know what? I guess the microwave emitter would be would be uh, would be a, a like a an inkling as of what they do, like a weapons manufacturer and also, you know, Fox and everything like that. So but they never really go into detail as to how else Wayne Enterprises or the Wayne family has made made themselves such a lucrative business in the world. Right. Yeah. yeah, and it yeah, it's which is interesting too because it also you know makes like for how good of a guy he is, it makes you wonder why his you know company would be involved in such obviously kind of like shady. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, right. like so, what they're like arms dealers on the side, like yeah, you yeah, know, we make medical equipment, but uh, you know, there's just there's some money to be made in arms dealing, so we just figured, yeah. you know, why not expand? Why limit our options? Um, cause yeah, they seem like they're just, you know, yeah, they are just played as one of those just giant mega corporations like, like Dow Jones, you know, Dow or something oh, like yeah, that. Yeah. They just, you know, or Johnson and Johnson, they just like make everything, you know? Um, if you, you know, you, you, you travel, you know, uh, backwards up the ladder, you know, enough steps and you land at basically one of two companies Yeah, um, right. that basically own every other company as a subsidiary of them. Um, so, so yeah, I think Wayne is sort of supposed to be like one of those. Cause even when he's, you know, he's being a putzing around in uh like <laughs> Southeast Asia or whatever, being a criminal and uh, <laughs> you know, he gets busted stealing Wayne enterprises stuff. It's like, yeah, right. Yeah. What it would, you know, this looks like, I don't know. It came off like a food truck or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So uh, it seems like, you know, they're just supposed to be one of those companies. that's like, you know, yeah, they, they are just top of the heap kind of like own, own companies that do or make just about everything on the planet. Mm -hmm. Um, aside from, uh, before we get to like him coming back to Gotham, uh, I really enjoyed watching all of the stuff with the league of shadows, this go around Mm -hmm. just like, I felt like if, if Nolan decided to make like, you know, a whole movie just about that before he got to Batman, I'd be in fucking heaven. Yeah. Like, (laughs) That would be fucking awesome. Like just a couple years as, you know, Bruce Wayne as a ninja, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, or, or whatever. Uh, well, it's like, yeah. it, he, I mean, he practically did. It's like 40 minutes of this movie. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, again, just, you know, how much ground they cover and how, you know, how far it feels like you've traveled, you know, when you get to certain yeah. things, but also it keeps such a brisk pace throughout it. The, you know, the one thing that is, uh, that, uh, going back to me trying to look at this a little bit more critically uh, this time mm-hmm. and not just give Nolan a pass for everything is like, I will say that like as, as fun as it is to watch the league of shadows and as awesome as it is, mm-hmm. like it is, it's, it's really specific to what Batman is <laughs> <laughs> like, like it, it's, it very much feels like, you know, you would only arrive at the idea for the league of shadows if you were trying to reverse be, reverse engineer, uh, a, a realistic basis for the creation of Batman. Okay. Like, you know, everything about the way that they use theatrics and their, you know, thoughts on injustice and society and things like that. I mean, it's all so perfectly crafted around like who Batman is trying to become, but he just can't express it yet. Okay. Um, that, you know, that was one thing that I was like, okay, this, you know, so you're saying it fits a little too perfect? Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, okay, exactly. Okay, gotcha. All like right. it's it's almost too good how well it works with like what we know Batman like needs to become. Yeah. But needing to find like a real world slash kind of grounded way of getting him there. Yeah. It's it's just like it's so 
perfectly devised to be that thing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, That, yeah, it's, you know, again, if I'm, if I'm going to be nitpicky about this, yeah, uh, it's, it's almost, you know, you, you could say that it, it feels a little bit contrived that like, this is just a little too like, okay, here's everything that's missing between where we've put Bruce Wayne as a character in this particular film and the Batman character that we need to eventually arrive at. Mm-hmm. You know, we've designed this one thing that perfectly bridges those two things. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it's, but it's great. And, you know, again, it's like, it's, it's, it's sold so well to you that like right. you don't question it while you're watching it. And I think that that idea is, I think that's one of, I think that's one of this movie's greatest strengths is because, mm-hmm. you know, as I was watching it, we'll get into more of them. There, there were several things kind of like this about the movie that I noticed. And I was like, this is extraordinarily convenient. <laughs> and it and it is so many times throughout the movie, but you totally fucking buy it because it's sold to you so well. Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, so I like, I mean, Christopher Nolan's kind of like a snake oil salesman in some ways. Like he really, I mean, he's good at it. He pulls it off so well. And part of it's casting and part of it's just storytelling. And, you know, it's, it's all those, you know, he's pulling every trick out of the bag to like, you know, make you buy this as though this is like a totally realistic thing that could happen. Yeah, know? right. Um, and it's great. It's a, it's a great effect that he pulls off. But um, I, I think all of that is encapsulated really well by uh, um, when Liam Neeson knocks uh, Bruce, when, yeah, Ducard knocks Bruce into the, uh, uh, through the ice into the water mm-hmm. at the end of their little sword fight. Yeah. Um, and then they're sitting by the, uh, the fire after that. And he's like trying to warm himself back up. And, uh, and, you know, Ducard tells him like, uh, like just focus on your chest. Like your arms will warm themselves or something like that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so convincing the way that he says it, that like, you just, you hear that line and you're like, Oh, interesting. I never knew that. You know, it just, yeah. you imme- even though it's a movie, you immediately bias as like, this is a fact. This is like a real thing. That is a complete lie. It's total bullshit. <laughs> yeah. It's not true whatsoever. Like Nolan just, you know, he just wrote that or, uh, right. or Goyer or whoever wrote it or Jonathan, but um, whoever wrote it just like wrote it and he just delivered it so convincingly that like yeah. people thought that. But I guess there's, um, there's you know, uh, survivalists and stuff like they have to tell people because this movie was so popular as well. They like yeah, have, yeah. they have to explain to people that like that's not a real thing, <laughs> because everyone just buys it because he just sells it. Um, it's just that Liam Neeson's that good of an actor. He is. He is. He's yeah. Great. Um, I mean, his whole character throughout the you know his dial like the writing of his I love in this movie is excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert: Ducard is the bad guy, Ra's al Ghul. Yeah. So <laughs> if you haven't seen Batman Begins, you haven't been doing quarantine right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, uh, no, Liam Neeson is really fucking great in this movie. Like I, I shame on me. I didn't look up what he had, what he did before this or like the last couple of movies before this movie came up, but, um, man, he's just fucking on in this movie. Like yeah. just really fucking good. And then at, at the end when he shows up at the party, like I know when I first saw that moment at the, in the theater, like didn't see it coming. No, at me all. either. Yeah. At all. I was like. What? You know, because you get so wrapped up in, you know, Scarecrow and Falcone and the mob and the cops that, like, he just right. piles you've, all this shit onto you. You've, you've watched an entire second movie since the last time yeah. you saw him. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, no, yeah, I love Liam Neeson in this movie uh, uh, quite a bit. So one big thing that I kind of wanted to get in 
into with you is the end of this movie, like the main plot, what, what Ra's al Ghul wants to do is kind of similar to what the Joker does at the end of the 89 Batman movie, but just on a, I guess maybe a larger ish scale or the same scale is to elite, to release an inhalant that kills everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Only Joker in 89 does it in a parade to some Prince music. Uh (laughs) And uh, Ra's al Ghul in this movie uses a microwave emitter to... Does it in the most complicated (laughs) way possible. Absolute most complicated plot you could have come up with to disperse an inhalant across a city. Like, it's... (laughs) It's like, yo, bro, all you needed was a fucking parade float and some balloons. We, we figured this shit out back in the 80s. It's like, okay, we got to smuggle this in alongside drugs so the drug dealers don't get suspicious. But then we got to dump it all in the water. But people drinking it, it doesn't do anything to them if they drink it. So we need to be able to evaporate the entire city's water supply somehow. <laughs> How do we do that? Well, this one company built this one micro. <laughs> This one piece of experimental technology that no one has adopted that for some reason is on a boat right now. (laughs) We're going to steal it and take it back to the place where it was made. (laughs) Fucking. And we're going to use it. Oh, but wouldn't that only affect one part of the city? That's very astute of you. You're correct. It would only affect uh, the part of the city that was in a close radius to the microwave beam. So we're going to get it on a train and we're going to drive the train across the city. It's like, dude. There was um there was couldn't a part you have of just me- put can you have just put like like the, the dispersed mecha- dispersal mechanisms that the Joker had on the balloons in uh eighty nine Batman? You could have just put those on the train and then driven yeah. the train across and had it shoot it out and it would have done that- the same fucking thing. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's amazingly complicated. <laughs> They're all <laughs> um it kind of made me think when um, when he shows up yeah, sorry uh, anyway that was one thing i had written down as a note i was like i mean it, it works really well for the movie because like yeah. you you'll never put this together basically you know right um i mean sure you know again like on on subsequent viewings again you know there are certain things that are a little too perfect like oh they're you know this thing that evaporates water supplies has gone missing and then you know this other thing is getting put into a water supply and you're like okay yeah. I see, you know, but when you're watching the movie, like, you know, the first time I remember all was when, you know, all that stuff came up, it was just like, I never would have guessed, you know, like, yeah, this is, right. this is brilliant. This guy's a fucking criminal mastermind, you know, yeah. and then now watching it, I was just like, man, this is a lot of work. <laughs> you know? Like, there might have been an easier way to do this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> No, there was a part of me that felt like once once Ra's al Ghul shows up uh, at the party or, you know, Ducard when he reveals himself to be actually Ra's um, and he starts explaining to Bruce how, you know, the League of Shadows has done this before, you know, um, uh, um, taken down cities and all this other kind of stuff. And they've they've done it to um, to Gotham before and how this time they're using like, you know, economics uh, to to have the city, you know, rip itself apart and everything like that. But he says to him, like, you're 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 defending a city so corrupt that we've infiltrated every level of its infrastructure. And there was a part of me that felt that I kind of wish Rutger Hauer's character, uh, Earl, was like this may be too far fetched, but I don't know. Like I kind of wish like 
he was like a member of the League of Shadows. Mm-hmm. That like it's been so we're you know we've we've invaded everything but Wayne Tower, like Wayne Enterprises. Like that would be the ultimate like you know punch to the gut. I feel for Bruce that like. Maybe Ra's al Ghul is, you know, the secret head of fucking Wayne Enterprises. And this is how we got to steal that microwave emitter and everything uh-huh. like that. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to punch holes here, but I'm just trying to say yeah. that, you know, like uh, I, I wonder, I, I, I kind of was hoping that his character um, or I thought about if his character would have been like connected to the league and somehow in mm-hmm. addition to, you know, uh, Dr. Crane. <laughs> bless you. Bless you. Excuse me. Um, in addition to Dr. Crane and, you know, Carmine Falcone and stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least, you know, uh, sort of like, uh, you know, brought in by them to sort of help or, or yeah, somehow, you know, they've, they've got him on their side or in their pocket or like working with them towards their Mm -hmm. larger goal. Yeah. Like he wouldn't, Mm -hmm. you know, be a necessarily a member of the league of shadows, but they might utilize him in their Mm -hmm. plans. Um, yeah, no. And that, uh, that's so that's one thing I did want to bring up actually is about okay. you know um is a, you know I I was like is so I don't know that I ever really bought that like Gotham is such a major city on the world stage that a group like the League of Shadows is going to target them as part of their like balancing the universe agenda Okay uh, <laughs> Yeah it's you know it's one of those especially like when we're you know when we're in uh you know, the, the sort of like training sequence with Bruce Wayne with the League of Shadows. And he first, you know, when he when he first rebels against them because they say, like, we want you to go back to Gotham with the, you know, these people. Oh, and yeah. Basically fucking burn the place to the ground. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no. You know, even at that point, I'm like, like, so like people out in this part of the world are like talking about Gotham. Is that that's uh, that just mm. seems, you know, so far removed. You know, I, I guess I never just put it on like that scale of like a world city in, you know, with the fictional context of everything. Yeah. Um, that that was like one thing that I was like, I don't know that they ever really sold that to me properly aside from just like right here, right now, when they're saying like, you know, essentially this is Ra's al Ghul right now saying this place is big enough for us to be concerned about it on the world stage, you know? Yeah, right, right, yeah. But it was just one of those things where I was like, I I just don't know that I ever really bought that, you know? Because, again, when they, you know, the the section of Gotham in particular that they really focus in on on and show in this movie Mm -hmm. is relatively small. So oh, yeah, this, the Narrows, yeah. Yeah, and, and so it's basically, like, the Narrows and, like, the area right across the bridges from it. Right. So you never... I never get a sense in this movie that Gotham is this giant, sprawling city. Okay. You know, in this movie, like, just taken on this movie alone, Gotham kind of looks like it's just that part of town. hmm You know, which doesn't seem like a huge place. It kind of looks like the 89 Batman movie, where it's just, like, one corner... <laughs> And a yeah, theater. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like Crime Alley and like Vicky's spacious oh, apartment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Vicky the everyone keeps commenting on how spacious Vicky's apartment is because it's half of Gotham City. <laughs> I fucking love that movie. That random fucking It's, it's got incredible. a nice place here. Lots of space. It's like so, who cares? Damn. <laughs> place is huge <laughs> so good oh, God. um uh no you made yeah, a good so, point so that yeah, was yeah. so that was one thing that you know um revisiting this movie and again like just looking at it more scrutiny uh you know kind of also was like ah, you know i just i don't 
you know, when he starts to mention like, oh, you know, we've done it before and stuff. And he's like to Gotham and he's like, yes, but you know, that time we tried economics. I was like, okay, so they were trying to destroy it through economics, but Thomas Wayne actually got in the way of that. Ah, okay. It's, yeah. And then, you know, so that's why they've had to now resort to what they're doing currently. Um, you know, the, the place was tearing itself apart, but now we've got to come in and do it the old fashioned way because we underestimated assholes like your dad, you know, <laughs> now we gotta, now we gotta use fear gas and watch all these fuckers just yeah. terrorize themselves apart. You know, <laughs> do you understand how fucking complicated the logistics of all of this have been, Bruce? This is such a fucking pain in the ass. <laughs> Oh my god, that's hilarious! It's, yeah, it's <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's 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 like cool plan, bro. But I, I think <laughs> you got a simple. I think you're, I think you're working hard instead of working smart. You know. Yeah. Right. Um. So yeah, but you know, one. So what really jumped out at me about I guess this section of the movie where he's like building Batman, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just to uh, yeah, kind of jump back into the the middle portion of the film. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Is uh, you know that I, that I hadn't really thought about, I guess, specifically in these terms before. And you know, again, it's like I, you know, the whole core premise of this movie is that we're building Batman from believable pieces now. Yes. So so really, everything in this movie is underscored with that idea. Um, but you know, what I really, really dug about this is, you know, again, what separates this, you know, what separates Batman from other superheroes has always been, of course, you know, he doesn't actually have any superpowers. He's just, you know, he's the world's Badass. greatest detective. Yeah. He's the world's <laughs> greatest detective and he's rich, you know, and he's, yeah. he's unnaturally motivated <laughs> is really his big superpower. He's, he's <laughs> really fucking motivated. Uh, yeah. never takes his eye off that ball. Um, so, um, so, you know, but when he comes back and he, you know, and he starts building Batman and everything, um, I, I just really loved like the way that, you know, it, it just all originates from like his desire and his vision for like what he wants the world to be. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, like most superheroes are like somehow, uh, like suddenly burdened with greatness. You yeah. know, by some sort of external force, whether it be a radioactive spider or a super soldier serum or like whatever the fuck it is. Um, but like he really had to like, you know, and, and I think everybody who's involved in any kind of, you know, creative activity or like built a business from the ground up or like anything like uh, along those types of lines, you know, can really respect and appreciate how difficult it is to like envision something new and then mm -hmm. to like actually bring it into existence, you know? Yeah. And, like, that's really what his origin story is here. It's not okay. like, yeah, again, like, just being burdened with this power and I have to figure out how to use it and then realize, like, I shouldn't be a dick, you know? Right. Like, this is really a man, like, kind of, you know, this this whole story is not just a, a somebody becoming a superhero. It's, like, somebody uh, understanding what their voice is in the world and, like, bringing that to reality. Mm -hmm. And that's like something that is so universal, you know, across like so many different things that like, you know, this is just why the story I think resonates more so than a lot of others yeah, um, in particular, but, but especially like the way, you know, that they play it in this movie in particular and based off of like, you know, very realistic happenings and trying to make it feel very grounded is like, 
you know, it, it once again, like, you know, you never write it off as just like, okay, this is some ridiculous flight of fancy or something. It's like, no, this is really like about somebody going through what really everyone goes through in their life, which is like finding their meaning and purpose and then having to struggle to like make it a reality. Right. And, yeah. You know, and like his whole existence as Batman, the entire like visualization of it and everything that he does and all of his accoutrements as a character are all just representative of like pieces of like his personal growth. Mm -hmm. And like, like in a way, you know, when he's the full, like final Batman form, he's just like Bruce Wayne in his most evolved state. (laughs) It's like, he's, it's, that's like him having like literally turned all of his weaknesses into strengths now Mm -hmm. and, you know, covering himself in them and covering himself in basically reminders of those things so that he never forgets what he's had to like overcome to get there. And, you know, it's like it just you you get those bits. He learns the difference between revenge and justice. And that evolves the no kill rule. And he mm-hmm. overcomes his fear of bats and turns it into the bat cave, you know. And it's just like, yeah, everything he wears is just like a, yeah, overcome directly. Uh, he wears everything that he has overcome, like, directly on his body. Just never forgets and always wields every one of his fears as a strength. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just so cool the way it's all, like, built uh, throughout, you know, this entire section of the movie. Right. where we kind of like systematically go through each one of those things. It's like, what are, you know, his shortcomings or the things kind of like holding him back from achieving what it is he wants to and mm-hmm. how he overcomes them and then uses those to uh, establish another piece of what we know as like Batman, you know, mm. it's, it's just, it's so awesome <laughs> to watch, <Yeah. laughs> you know, not just like as a, like, and again, like, you know, the, the balance of elements there where it's like, it's a really satisfying holy shit, it's Batman, you know, like just on a a superficial comic book, giddy, you know, adolescent level. Yeah. Uh, But then also really on like a filmmaking, like character driven storytelling level. Yeah. There's, you know, and visual storytelling as well. Like there's really something exceptional work happening on both regards. Yeah. Um, And it's just, it's, it's really wild to watch. It's one of those things that like, again, you prior to this movie, I don't think anyone would have ever believed you could work in a film. Oh, no, not at all. You know, and yeah. it's so it's so funny, too, because like this, is, this is like the norm to the point that like this type of stuff is cliche to do in a movie now. Right. You know, it's just so funny to think back to like 2005 when this came out. I remember watching this for the first time and you're like, there's no way. There's no way. Like, they can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that everything that you're talking about, like it, it definitely like it's it like culminates in that moment when he, when Batman rescues Rachel and the, and the little kid and mm-hmm. she's just like, Oh, you might die. Like, tell me your name. And he echoes the same thing that she told him at the hotel was that it's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. And then like jumps off the cliff to like, basically we don't know to like to, you know, save the world, but like, you know, yeah, he, he, he could die. And that's like, I think in the entire movie, that's my, that's my favorite scene in this movie mm. is, is that exchange is, is, uh, is her asking what's your name and him delivering that line. And I just feel like it's the heart and soul of like what Batman is like the, what Batman beginning in this movie is. And it also like rings through the entire series to the end of it, where it's like, it can be anybody wearing this. Like it mm-hmm. really doesn't matter who is in the outfit. It's just what, what, whoever is in that outfit does while wearing it that that defines that you know that image and that symbol of of batman and um that's just that scene is just i i got like i always get goosebumps and i actually like teared up 
like watching it like this this go around because I was like, God damn it! Like it's just one of the another one of those Nolan lines that just gets me, and you know it just it really rings true in that moment. Yeah. Well, it's also it's you know it's amazing because it's like him really achieving his ultimate form in so many ways too because like that's like kind of like the last thing he's afraid of was like letting someone know, you know, right. or like revealing. Oh his yeah, that's to true. That's true. And yes. It's like he finally kind of like lets go of that fear in yeah. that moment, you know, by by telling her, mm-hmm. um, and it's like at that point he really has kind of like overcome, you know, really everything in a way. <laughs> But yeah, just just that whole idea that like we can build our superhero character out of pieces of character development. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, it's such a fucking cool idea, and like, and again, sounds like you know you you'll never be like cool idea, but good luck, you know. Yeah. And then you watch this movie and you're like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, that that works pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's yeah. just extraordinarily satisfying on like every level, you know. Like every time I watch this movie and I watch him like become Batman, I get that same thrill, even though it's like, you know, yeah, I know what's gonna happen. I've seen this. <laughs> I know, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I'm aware of I'm aware of how Batman begins. Yeah, um, right. But uh, I still very much enjoy seeing it every time. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and again, it's like you know, it, it, it there's so much more underlying that thrill because like then when you finally see him in the full Batman suit and everything and like you know doing the Batman thing, which by the way is like an hour and three minutes into this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's you know it's such a thrill, and part of it is because of like yeah you know of course we've we've come so far to get to this point, you know, and now we're finally seeing fucking Batman doing Batman shit, and it's super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much more, you know, that's that's been threaded into the DNA of that image at this point, like specific to this movie and this character. Mm-hmm. That it's like we're also emotionally responding to all of that, you know? And right. It's so exactly. cool because it's it's like that satisfaction of like just seeing Batman on the big screen, but also like, man, there's there's so much more baggage that accompanies it now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's it's just it's great. So, um. um Bobby, what do you think of uh, what do you think of Christian Bale's "I'm Batman" at one hour, three minutes, and thirty seconds into this movie versus Michael Keaton's "I'm Batman" at roughly three minutes and thirty seconds into <laughs> the nineteen eighty nine Batman? I uh, I think Ooh. I like Michael Keaton's better. Okay. Yeah, I think I like Michael Keaton's better. Uh, Michael Keaton's is, and maybe this is just because of how it's shot, and the because uh, that's another thing too, like. Both of them are holding somebody in their arm, like by the mm-hmm. lapels. Yep. While they while they say this, okay. I figured that was a direct kind of homage. It, ha- it had to be. It had to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, uh, I mean, Michael Keaton's is you know almost like a, a dialogue exchange, not just a "Who are you?" or whatever, right. but like, you know, he he, he like uh, Michael Keaton's Batman sort of like initiates the conversation and it's just like, I want you to tell all your friends about me, you know? And the guy's just like, who are you? And he says, I'm Batman. And then, um, uh, you know, Oh, cause he, well, cause he takes him over the edge and the guy's screaming not to let him go. And then that's where, that's where it comes yeah. in. Whereas this one, he just busts through, grabs Carmine, find Colney, and then just says, I'm Batman. And then, you know, flies away. Um, which is cool. You know, uh, it's like rewarding, but, uh, I like, I like Keaton's, uh, you know, Keaton's almost felt a little like a threat. It was kind of scary to me. So I, mm-hmm. I, I liked, I liked that. I got a sense of like fear with Keaton's that I didn't get with Christian Bale's. Okay. Yeah. What about you? Nice. Uh, 
Um, I mean, I think I'm just partial to Bale's Batman. Okay. O- like overall. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know, kind of, kind of did it for me. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Um, yeah, there's, a, you know, there's just an intensity. <laughs> yeah. That you know that he always has. Um, that you know he's always so good at, at pulling out like the right kind of gradient of intensity or nuanced take on intensity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, moment to moment, scene to scene within any of his performances. But yeah, that like, there was something about, you know, uh, I, I don't know, you f- you almost feel like the, uh, you know, fulfillment of like a frustration. Like for him saying I'm Batman to Falcone in that moment was like the closest he gets to shooting Joe Chill, you know, like <laughs> that's sort of like his moment where he gets to, um, you know, uh, uh, unleash some sort of explosive, you know, against somebody who has wronged him. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah. And I, you know, I kind of, kind of dig that moment. And again, it also just feels like, you know, it's the culmination of that scene where he's like, you know, finally become this thing that he's been working towards in one form or another trying to find for his entire life, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just, I like how much, you know, the movie brings to that moment. Um, you know, it's just a lot more like loaded, whereas like, you know, obviously in the, the Tim Burton one, it happens like right at the beginning of the movie and it just is sort of like a big visceral thrill. Cause it's like, fuck yeah, we're here. <laughs> right. Right. You know? So I just feel like this one has a little bit more going on under the hood. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. I could see that. I could see that. Um, yeah. I just want to talk, I guess a little bit. I, uh, the music in this movie, I think is just phenomenal. Um, oh yeah 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 the it, music it always yeah. ha- it always has been but just like the way it's used as a piece of storytelling mm-hmm. in conjunction with the i guess like storytelling overriding logic of storytelling in this movie in general right um is is so wonderfully thought through and and put together and utilized and deployed um like even just little things you know the like the music cue I've always really loved, in particular, the um, the music cue that's sort of representative of like Thomas Wayne's optimism towards Gotham City. Yeah. Okay. You know, uh, it's it's a really beautiful piece of music, but I also think it communicates the exact emotion that it's trying to describe, like just so unbelievably well, mm-hmm. to the point where we don't we're we're able to. Uh, we don't have to suffer through any like sappy emotional scenes of him delivering dialogue in a sappier emotional way to get that element from his character it's like we can utilize that music in conjunction with a more honest portrayal of him and we get that depth of emotion right um and it's it's just really well done and and then the way that it develops over the course of the movie where like it's only it it kind of disappears when thomas wayne is shot Mm. and it doesn't really come back until bruce like kind of like fully takes on the mantle of like the protector yeah, you know, and and really becomes more so somebody who's who has eradicated all pieces of himself that can even unintentionally do harm, right? You know, and he's really fully, you know, kind of taken on the shroud of Batman and like what Batman really really means for Gotham and and sort of like rekindled that optimism that Thomas you know had for this place, mm-hmm. and like that's when that you know bit of music starts kind of creeping back into you know the soundscape of the movie. Yeah. Um, and then even just the main Batman theme itself too, the way it's like, it's sort of like layered and created through over the course of the movie, just as his character is being layered and created over the course of the movie. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. we don't get the full on Batman theme, you know, we get like hints of the Batman theme. We start to hear it at times as certain things happen, but it's not really until like 
very close to the end of the movie when things are really, really going he- are really, really hectic, and he's really you know firing all cylinders as Batman. Yeah, right. I guess, that we get the full Batman theme, you know. So yeah, just the way it's like you know again, just just like we've kind of reduced the character to nothing and have to build him back piece by piece. We've kind of done the same thing, like you know, from a sonic standpoint, musically. Right. With, you know, not just like the, the character and, and what he represents, but like the emotions underwriting that character and what he's really like, what he's like really trying to capture. You know, the story is told musically. You can understand that he's never really fully achieved what he's been trying to do until that hint of Thomas Wayne comes back in, you know, mm-hmm. musically. Like we, that's when we fully understand like sort of the, I don't know, just full depth of optimism and, uh, um, you know, I guess sense of righteousness that, you know, is really finally taken root inside of Bruce. Like he really finally understands what it means. Right. Right. You know? And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just an amazing use of music and also just like really, really on its own on this totally superficial level, even just great music too. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So I just uh, constantly impressed with that every time I watch this movie. And again, this time was, was no different. Um, I also remember, uh, like, I remember when we were in school, we had a class where um, we were, uh, the teacher, like, let us listen to two different types of music, and I remember one of the pieces of music was the opening to, I believe it's a movie called The Green Berets, and it has John Wayne in it, and uh, she played just the opening credit sequence, and... um, she stopped the movie and she goes, okay, like, what does everybody think? What does the music sound like? And I remember like I raised my hand and I said, it sounds like a football anthem. Like it sounds like a college football, you know, um, college football band, you know, music that you would see playing at like a college football game. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it sounded very much like, like a March and in differentiating, you know, like, you know, the Hans Zimmer, and I think it was, is it James Newton Howard that uh, co? Uh, Thomas Newton Howard, yeah. Thomas Newton Howard, Thomas Newton Howard. Yeah. Uh, Hans Zimmer and Thomas Newton Howard, and then, like, Danny Elfman, like, the music for Tim Burton Batman sounds very much like like a march. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it does sound like uh, more of a, I guess I want to say maybe more of, like, a soldier's kind of, like, you know, the Batman theme music just has this like rhythm to it that is just like very hard and very edgy and you know very much like this force coming through to you whereas with this music like you were saying like you know it's it uh, it is also like helping to like build the character as we go through the movie so that by the time we're at the end of it like we have a very secure idea of who Bruce Wayne is and, and who Batman is um just by the music if all we ever heard was the music Exactly. Yeah. And it's kind of great that like I really love that I that we have, you know, in this day and age, like the the Danny Elfman music is just so iconic to Batman. But also at the same time, it's like I I feel like the Danny Elfman music is like the comic book Batman theme music. But the Hans Zimmer, you know, Thomas Newton Howard is the cinematic film Batman music. Right. Yep. And it's they both work. It's fine. You can you can love both of them. You know, but I love that we just have like, I love the music of the the Nolan series. It's great. Yeah. Like, it's just so it's so emotional, um, you know, and in, in, in all the best ways. But it's also so like cool as well, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
I feel like this one, and also, sorry, you you were corrected. It is James Newton Howard. I was oh, thinking okay. Tom, I was thinking of Thomas Newman. <laughs> oh, okay, gotcha. Yes, 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 yes. All right, no problem. I've uh, I've I've encountered this issue in the past. So I, as soon okay. as I said it, I was like, wait, I should check because I've <laughs> fucked this up before. Um. Um. But yeah, no, and I think that's you know that's perfectly in keeping with you know what we were talking about before that that's like you know Nolan very smartly went uh, out of his way to differentiate these two things, you know, yeah. that, like we're really, we're, we're taking this back to formula, you know? Yeah. Uh, and starting over, you know, in a way, and, you know, we're, we're going to rebuild this in the same, you know, it's still going to be Batman. We're not fucking up Batman, but we're building right. it for cinema. You know, this is no longer, this is no longer us trying to put comics on screen. This is us trying to translate and adapt to a different medium. Yeah. Right. Oh, and then, uh, yeah, last line, last note that I had was just the, uh, just the, from a design standpoint, just the, uh, the strong lines on the mask mm-hmm. ma- uh, matching just like, you know, the, the strong sort of jawline and <laughs> shape <laughs> of Christian Bale's face also, yeah. uh, just, it's such great design, you know, just oh, so yeah, thoughtful. Yeah, 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 yeah. It just, man, it, it, he just looks so good. Like just any shot, especially when he's in profile. Mm-hmm. Um, like the part when he's waiting for all the bats to come into the building and he's oh, kind of yeah, sitting yeah, there yeah. in profile holding the little beacon thing. It's yeah. just, oh man, it looks, it's like it was just meant to be, you know? Did, did you notice that uh, the last scene of the movie when they're on the rooftop, that each cutaway scene to him, he's wearing a different cowl? <laughs> really? It's a it's a different cowl. Majority throughout the entire movie, I'm I know where this is a podcast, so I'm and I'm looking at Dorian, but like the the nice fitting cowl is the one that goes like over over the the brow of his lip and it just kind of curls around his mouth a bit. Mm-hmm. And then there's another one where the cowl extends out a little bit and you see a bit more of his cheek. It okay. goes out maybe like one or let's say maybe like three inches out. And, it, and it's a little bit wider in the last scene when Gordon is talking to him about, you know, the new villain and escalation and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, every cutaway scene to Batman, he's wearing a different cowl. I felt like I was watching a Halloween movie. I was like, what the fuck is happening right now? Like, could we not decide on this day which cowl look good? Like, what the fuck? Um, but yeah, like if you go back and look at it, he's wearing, he's wearing a different cowl almost. Uh, it's one of those two cowls. Okay. Yeah. And I, like the, the one that, the one that like the heat, let's call it the hero cowl that he's in most of the movie. It looks a bit like, uh, it looks a bit beefier. Like mm-hmm. it's got some padding on it. And the one that's got the wider mouth looks a bit like thinner. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I definitely I definitely noticed his inability to turn his head when he you know, when he says, I'll look into it and he turns away from Jim Gordon and he has to do this like yeah. really dramatic full body <laughs> turn to, <laughs> to turn. It's like, oh, yeah, you can't you can't move your neck. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a thing. You even make a joke about that in the next movie. They do. They do. Yeah, you want to be able to turn your head, huh? Yeah, uh, and then you know it's funny too. This is one of the things that has just always cracked me up about his casting. I mean, it's great casting, partially because, you know, again, what what is so good about this casting too is that like they didn't cast Christian Bale, they yeah. cast fucking Patrick Bateman to play Bruce Wayne. 
Oh yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruce Wayne is has to be a psychopathic billionaire <laughs> to fucking become Batman. Yeah, um, it, which is just awesome. I just love uh, this casting is just so good. Yeah, um, he's great for like every reason. But that again too, just like you know, thinking about that while watching this movie, some of the times when he's just doing like Bruce Wayne stuff, you're like, it's, just, <laughs> it's Patrick Bateman, dude. Because <laughs> also, it's the same thing too. It's like he can play a billionaire who's hiding a secret life behind you know, right, his eyes. Exactly. You know? Exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's it's just a, it's awesome the logic there again. You know, Christopher Nolan's ability to just combine like logic and creativity every step of the way is just so awe inspiring. Um, I, f- I feel like I've I feel like anytime we've talked about Nolan or Batman or whatever, I, I've made this uh, this known that like everybody's casting in this movie. Like I remember Christopher Nolan saying that, you know, uh, the inspiration for all the caliber of actors to get for Batman begins was definitely inspired by Richard Donner's Superman. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like, you know, if you're going to cast a movie, like cast it with the best actors, like take, take it up an extra notch by like, you know, casting right. Morgan Freeman and, and that does so much Michael Caine and stuff. And, um, at the end, the uh, you know, I, I wanted to mention that uh, I know I told you about it, but uh, Warner Brothers Entertainment for most of quarantine has been doing these like hour to hour and 15 minute long little videos on YouTube that they've been putting out. And they put one out called uh, Batman Behind the Scenes of the Dark Knight Trilogy. It's an hour and 16 minutes. But, you know, he talks about Nolan talks about this in, in this little small documentary about about the trilogy, um, you know. Most notably, they talk about uh, Eric Roberts in uh, Dark Knight Rise or Dark Knight, uh, the Dark Knight, um, you know, and all these all these character actors, um, Matthew Modine in the Dark Knight Rises. That's what I was that's what I was going for. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, he says he's just like, you know, when you cast your movies, aside from the principal cast and you have the a supporting cast, you know, second and third you know, uh, supporting cast characters, he's like, your movie is just elevated by their gravitas because people recognize them. They recognize Mm -hmm. them from a movie from back in the day. And, you know, the movie is just a little bit more elevated because of it, because it's Eric Roberts, because it's Matthew Modine, because it's, um, what's his name? Who plays Mike Engel from, uh, uh, Oh, Anthony Michael Hall, Anthony Michael Hall, you know, like it's (laughs) just, you know, (laughs) <laughs> and so um, I just love the way that he thinks about casting. And I just love that it was like that it was this way for, you know, Batman Begins, you know, um, yeah. even down to Ken Watanabe, who like became yeah. bigger and bigger, you know, but just a just a small like one off role in the beginning, like in the first 40 minutes of this movie. And, you know, mm-hmm. that was it, you know? Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it makes all the difference. It's absolutely right. It's it really, it feels like, because like no character feels inconsequential, you know? No, right, exactly. At that point, nobody just feels like there's some narrative contrivance. It was like, you know, there was this, you know, no, we got it. Somebody's got to embody this character because they're like a real element of the film here, you know? Yeah, right. Or or also you never know who's going to be a throwaway character or, or somebody who's not going to, you know, if everybody's kind of like recognizable mm-hmm. and like nobody feels expendable, yeah. Then, you know, even if it's a one scene character that's never going to come back in the movie, you kind of come out of that scene being like, I wonder if we're going to see that person again, you know, because they got so and so to play them. Yeah. You know, where they're not going to just do that for one scene <laughs> or whatever. And it's like, oh, shit, they did. And it's like, damn. Yeah, right. They got some money. <laughs> but but yeah, but also, it you know, it's just sometimes it can be, uh, I don't know, 
even worse than foreshadowing. It'd just be very telling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who's cast in like a name by a name actor and who's not. You know, it's like, oh, this seemingly throwaway character is like the one known actor in this movie. Yeah, I right. wonder if they're going to be important later or not. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be really just fucking obvious and actually like totally telling of your movie. But, you know, for a movie like this, it absolutely works, you know, to have right. everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, just fucking stack the deck, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so between between this movie and the Tim Burton movie, like, I mean, I, f- I feel like I know which one you're going to choose, but yeah. <laughs> I also feel like I have to ask the question, like, which, which one, you know, given that you had just, you know, not seen the original Batman in, you know, more than 10 years. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, no, uh, I mean, this is, Batman Begins is definitely my preferred uh, Batman film. Okay. Uh, for sure. I, you know, that's no surprise and that's not to decry or in any way, um, you know, shit on <laughs> Tim oh, yeah, Burton's no. Batman. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed Tim Burton's Batman thoroughly, but, uh, this movie just, I mean, it's, this movie just really blows my mind. Yeah. Uh, like in, like in every way. I mean, I think it's emotionally, it gets me wrapped up. Um, on just like a filmmaking level, it's like a fucking miracle. Mm-hmm. Everything about this movie, and and again, it's like this was this was, it was such a game changer for Christopher Nolan too as a filmmaker. You know, like I was a big I loved Memento and everything, right? But when he made this movie, this was when Christopher Nolan became who we know now as Christopher Nolan, right? Yeah, exactly. you know, it was with, was with this film and like witnessing that, like seeing this movie for the first time. I remember was really like. I walked out of that theater like in a daze. It was like I didn't know you could make movies like that, you know? <laughs> it was Yeah, right, right. It, it really really just completely blew blew my mind and and this was also at a time when I was already I, I remember I resisted seeing this movie for a little bit when it first came out. Uh-huh. It was kind of just like, "Eh, fucking Batman, who gives a shit, you know?" <laughs> um well, I remember uh cuz this um uh Aronofsky was going to Oh, yeah, that's right do this movie originally. I remember hearing that. Mm-hmm. It, uh, both Batman and Wolverine. Yes. Ar- Aronofsky was attached to, you know, he was going to do the Batman and then he was going to do the Wolverine. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he was really desperate to do a the superhero movie. Um, and they both fell through. And I remember too, that was something that sort of like soured me on this idea too. Because when Aronofsky was going to do Batman, I was like, well, shit, what the fuck is that going to be? Right. You know, and I was really intrigued, and then he fell off, and I, you know, they said Nolan was going to do it. I was like, oh, okay. I mean, cool, but I just don't really care that much, you know. Yeah. And then, it, and then it came out, and I was working at GameStop at the time, and some of my coworkers were just like, dude, you fucking, you really need to go see this movie. Nice. Uh, yeah, and kind of laid it out for me, like what his approach was, and how they were like, no, it's like they they took Batman out of the comics and like put him into the real world, and I was like, but that doesn't work. And they're yeah. like, but it it kind of does, and it's yeah. wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, no, I had to kind of be coaxed into seeing it. So, you know, then when I did, I was just, I was so absolutely stunned (laughs) by it. (laughs) So, you know, had a big impact on me. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and, and, you know, in a lot of ways speaks to the way that like, you know, I, I approach a lot of things as well. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I have from educational standpoint or i guess from my high school background you know i was growing up like much more of like a math and science oriented person yeah yeah so you know my mind is naturally inclined to (laughs) 
uh, work in those ways. Um, so seeing a, you know somebody who's able to achieve this level of storytelling and this level of emotional resonance, who also you know has a, a mind that's obviously very logically and like organizationally oriented. Yes. Uh, was also something that really just kind of I connected with on a really personal level and also starting okay. to have an inkling for wanting to be a creative myself mm-hmm. um, or do something in the creative realm myself. Um, you know, seeing that up on the screen in such, you know, successful fashion and such impressive fashion was, uh, you know, was really a big deal for me. Okay. All right. So, yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know, I mean, you, you know, you mentioned when we were talking about Batman that that is your favorite movie of all time. So I assume I know your answer as well. <laughs> I feel like I can, um, what do you call it? I, uh, I feel like I can differentiate the two. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, Batman 89 for me, just, it just gives me a more sense, more of a nostalgia sense, uh, you know? And like, I mean, Batman Begins is sort of like, I guess in a small way, like the beginning of like my wanting to, you know, uh, um, not that I never not looked at Batman as like stories, but this was the first time where I actually felt like I got a story out of Batman Uh, Mm -hmm. minus comic books, like something on the screen where like I actually got a beginning and a middle and an end. There was an arc, Um, you know, like I, I, I watch movies very emotionally. Like I am a very like emotional person. If something, you know, even music happens and it, it, you know, it, uh, makes me well up or angry or whatever. So, and I never felt that, I guess, watching, uh, I almost shudder to call this a superhero movie because it's more of a, more of a dramatic film that have, that has these comic elements sprinkled throughout it. But, you know, I had moments like that, you know, like the, you know, moments of, you know, Alfred, you know, reinforcing to Bruce that he hasn't given up on him. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, it's like, yeah, you, you kind of feel like you want that sort of like father figure in your life as like you're watching that movie or, or someone to tell you like, no, I haven't given up on you for as much as like you fall. I'm, I'm always going to tell you to get back up and I'm always going to be there to lift you back up. And it's just like, it's kind of great to see those those lessons being imparted into the character of Bruce Wayne because it makes him more of a character than than someone who yes tragically lost their parents and has decided to do this just because of that mm-hmm. you know so right um <laughs> and you know the 89 batman like after having our conversation about it like the 89 batman feels more like i don't know in a way it kind of feels like the end of batman to me like <laughs> I, I, you know the more and more i, th- I thought about our conversation a couple of days after and then when i watched Batman Begins, I thought like, yeah, we're beginning something here, but 89 Batman does not feel like Batman is beginning something. Not 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 mm-hmm. his not his career. It feels like he's been doing it for a while. But it also just sort of feels like he found he got, you know, the revenge. He got that closure for the parents, and we're kind of done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> So I think now I, I to go back and watch the eighty nine Batman movie, like I will watch it through that lens of being like I feel like this might be the final chapter in Bruce Wayne Batman relationship. Like after this, I don't believe that Bruce Wayne is Batman anymore. Continues on. Yeah, yeah. Even though they did sequels, which is beside the point, but just as a character who this person is, like he really does come full circle from where we know where Batman was created in the alley, you know. 
mm-hmm. to, you know, ha- getting revenge, getting closure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's really interesting to look at to look at both of them, you know, but um, but yeah, I feel like I got to go with with the 89 Batman one. It's it's the one that really, you know, I talk up a lot. And again, I, I remember when I said mostly for the Joker, um, yeah. you know, and everything. And and but uh, yeah, this just that movie just I watched it so much as a kid that there's just something really, really connects me to that to that movie and, you know, the city and the architecture and just just all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's I I think that you know, yeah, well we both have our preferences. It's obvious that like both are, you know, really good just for like such different reasons and like I think that's what I like about the two of them so much is like they are so different that like, mm-hmm. you know, as as we're both kind of, you know, I guess dancing around saying is like I I don't know, it's almost like apples and oranges. You can't I can't even really say like because I like Batman Begins for such different reasons than I like Batman. Right, you know? exactly, yes. It's like a totally different... I almost don't even think of them as like the same thing. Because mm-hmm. they're really not, you yeah. know? And that's and that's good. Like, that means that there's a good reason for both of them to exist. <laughs> true, true, yes. You know, yeah. which is cool. Because, uh, like, the Tim Burton one is just like... It's such, it's such like a, you know... It's such an auteur film. Yeah, which right, is right. So weird, like just, it, but it is. It's such like a personal. It's not Batman. It's Tim Burton's Batman. Right. You know, it's a Tim Burton movie that he just he had to use these things. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> um, and and you know, Batman Begins is very much a Christopher Nolan movie. Like that's yeah. There's no question about that. This is very auteur driven. I would say as well. But mm-hmm. I think you know his Christopher Nolan's personal style is so much more about the technical and less about like the personal idiosyncratic nature, you mm-hmm. know, that it's like even him being auteur driven is like kind of mainstream, you know? Right. <laughs> Cause that's just what his personal style is, is very, very, I don't know, spectacle driven kind of madness. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, you know, whereas Tim Burton's, you know, auteur, it's it's a very personal style that influences every little visual that it makes up, you know, and the attitude behind every little element of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no, you know, definitely. In a, in a much more, yeah, in a different way. So, so yeah, I'd say they're both auteur driven, but you know, it's it's like what that con- what that connotes and what it does to fundamentally change the Batman DNA without ruining it from being a Batman movie. You know, yeah, is it makes them completely different. Right, right. Um, and and so again, I know we've talked about this a couple of times, but but that's what my concern is with the upcoming The Batman. Okay. Is that is that, you know, this is a movie that's just going to exist in the same kind of realm as Batman Begins, you know, or the Christopher Nolan Batman, mm-hmm. you know, I should say. It it just feels very reminiscent of that, like, hey, we're doing everything super realistic again. Yep. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, you know, uh, where, you know, I, I feel like I'm going to be able to watch The Batman and be able to, you know, distinctly say, I like Batman Begins better. You yeah, know? right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and not have the same type of conversation conversation where I'm like, I'm saying I like Batman Begins better, but really I just like them for different reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I might even like them as much as right. the other. But mm-hmm. I think I just personally for whatever reason, prefer to watch Batman Begins. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, but certainly don't have an issue watching either one of them. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got anything else, man? Because I'm, I'm spent. That's all yeah. I got. That's all I got. No, I mean, 
I, that's all that's worth talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that's some other random dumb shit, but it's yeah, we've we've talked enough. <laughs> so um, I think we can wrap up the the Batman Batman Begins convo. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed rewatching both of these movies and kind of comparing them. It felt like it was a pretty good. Uh, I felt I feel like I see both of these movies sort of differently now. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I got a lot out of the viewing both of them, yeah. um, honestly. And especially, yeah, through this kind of lens as well. Right, right. Um, well, I'm going to wrap it up. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Yeah. And yeah, uh, I think we're going to do The Dark Knight forward. and then Batman Returns. Yeah, well, well, I guess we'll do Batman Returns first. And then yeah, Dark Knight, since we did a, a Burton, then a Nolan. Do another do Burton, Burton, then another Nolan. Yeah, yeah let's do so, that. So I was thinking about this, okay. you know, because because Nolan made three, but but Keaton and Burton only made two. Yes. Um, that what we could do if we wanted is we could do you know Batman, Batman Begins as we've done, okay. then Batman Returns, then Dark Knight, all right, then Birdman, <laughs> then Dark, <laughs> then Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> Because they're both like Batman several years later. The you know? Inuritu movie? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, that's the closest thing to a third Keaton Batman movie as exists. Until The Flash comes out, I guess. But It's true. It's true. Yeah. Hmm. I, think it'd be, I think it'd be amazing. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm going to do it regardless. <laughs> I feel like watching Birdman after watching the two Keaton Batmans is... It's like something I should do. All right, I could see that. I actually, uh, I I have Birdman on Blu-ray, but I realized the other day that I'd never took it out of the plastic. Oh shit! I've okay. never opened it, so I've only seen it once. Got that nice red Blu-ray case. Ever? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, I I mean I watched it. I think I got watched it like right when it came out on Blu-ray, and I picked it up because uh, okay. Hannah had not seen it. Oh, okay. Uh, and I think Jeremy came over or something also, and he hadn't seen it either. And so we all watched it. But okay. yeah, that's the only other time I've seen it. So I, I don't think I've watched it a, another time since then. So it's been a while. All right. A few years, yeah. I think uh, I think this is the perfect opportunity. I'm in. Let's do that. Awesome. Let's do that. <laughs> I love this. Because I haven't watched it in years. So, yeah. you know. And uh, I watched... This might... This might be more appropriate than we think. I mean, it's not an accident that he was cast in that role. So yeah, no, not at all. Not there, at all. there might be more specificity to this than we realize, just not having watched these movies in direct proximity. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Cool. Well, yeah, I'm down for that. So, well, our next episode, we'll do Batman Returns. Yeah. And uh, break break that one down. I'm excited for that one. Yeah. No, I'm really excited because that one, as I mentioned on the Batman uh, pod, I, I'm like. I feel like I've seen that movie like twice. Yeah. And they were both 25 years ago. Nice. <laughs> yes. So I, I really, I remember, very, I remember a baby carriage. Yeah. Um, I'm excited. I'm what, excited to see your reaction. Yeah. Like yeah, just, just, no, I'm, just as an adult, as adult Dorian. <laughs> I'm, I'm hyped to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, yeah, we'll be back. The next time we'll be back, we'll be doing... Uh, Batman Returns. Yep, yep. All right. Deuces. <laughs>